In today's episode, we will be discussing the seventh episode of The House of the Dragon on HBO called Driftmark. Before that, just a reminder that on Wednesday, we'll be releasing a conversation that Son and I are going to have regarding this seventh also episode of The Patient on Hulu. But more importantly, I think in that conversation, I recorded with uh, Sarah, a friend of mine who is a psychotherapist, and she had an analysis of The Patient, a very, I think, a, an interesting analysis that gave me a little more appreciation for the show. And we even, discussing serial killers, will get into a little bit of the Dahmer docu-series yet again, <laughs> speaking of serial killers and the content that's out there. And the reason we'll probably have a third episode is, of course, Celia, this is horror movie season. And this week, I think I'm going to have to have a whole episode just on horror movies because, first of all, I saw Smile, which I mostly have positive things to say about. Second of all, there is a Stephen King adaptation coming to Netflix on Wednesday called Mr. Harrigan's Phone, I believe it is, from a with a pretty uh, strong pedigree. The filmmaker is an Academy Award nominated director. And also, so yeah, this might be pique your interest this weekend. The Midnight Club is coming to Netflix from Mike Flanagan, who made Midnight Mass last year, a big success for Netflix around Halloween and another Halloween miniseries that he has not related to that show, although the titles are similar. That is yet another horror item that I will be trying to catch up with over the weekend. And of course, the Hellraiser remake reimagination is coming out this weekend as well on Hulu, I believe, or Amazon Prime, one of those. But all is to say that there is so much horror content, probably have to have an episode and cover at least some of those. Oh, and of course, Marvel has its first horror movie. They're making Werewolf by Night, which uh, stars Gabriel Bernal. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, they ha and it's shot in black and white. It's like in the style of an old horror movie. So very interesting bunch, many, many horror titles coming. That's just this week, and there'll be more next week. So I think we'll just throughout October, maybe just have a horror episode per week until we get through this current slate of horror films. And there's so many other ones. Isn't October an amazing month? <laughs> Especially now with all these streaming services, there is just so much stuff. I remember where Halloween was, you know, maybe the last two weeks of Halloween, you got stuff. But here we are the first week of October and September already started rolling out a lot of horror content. Just think about the titles I mentioned there. And I've probably missed a few, <laughs> believe it or not. But those are just kind of like some of the, the biggest uh, ticket items uh, that are out there. So I'll be watching most of that we can probably have another conversation touching on some of those things. Excellent. And of course, the Halloween movie comes out next week and we'll be watching that. That's a premiering on Peacock and in movie theaters at the same time. I'm interested to see how the premiere on Peacock affects the theatrical release. The film they had last year actually did very well, despite the fact that it premiered at home at the same time. So it remains to be seen how the box office does, but I didn't really like that movie. So we'll see how this final one is supposedly the final one. Of course, it's not the final one. There's going to be more Halloween movies. There always will be. I'm going to watch it at home with like just a couple candles lit and wine on the comfy couch. Make sure one of the boys doesn't show up with a Michael Myers mask on. You might end up accidentally stab him, <laughs> no, stab him in the middle so of the night. scary. <laughs> Do you remember when we saw Blue Velvet? <laughs> yes, and you were terrified. I was terrified. It's not even a horror movie. I was <laughs> right. terrified. I thought... Um, we have to check the doors. We've got to make sure all the doors are locked, all the windows are locked. You maybe check the basement I, to make sure Dennis Hopper wasn't hanging out down there. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that was funny. It was like, oh, I have nothing to do. It wasn't very nice out. And you were home too. We're like, yeah, let's do this. Remember when we used to have to go to Blockbusters? 
Yeah, I had to get so it from the- I'm like, that was terrifying. Uh, people are going to be like, what horror movie is this? <laughs> Not a horror movie, but uh, horror adjacent. I think David Lynch's films are more psychologically uh, disturbing to me than than most straight up horror movies. That's probably why I was extra terrified. It's like the psychological factor is what gets me. Aye. Make sure you subscribe so you know when all those episodes become available. And also reach out to us, need some introduction at gmail.com with any of your feedback. We always look forward to your feedback. And one last thing before we get into all this, did you notice last night with the premiere of this episode, the trailer for The Last of Us? Did you see that? Was that I part? did. That was amazing. Yeah. I have to see that series. I'm obsessed and I haven't, I don't even know what it's about. It reminds me a little bit of The Walking Dead-ish. Yeah, so this is based on a video game, by the way, which I somehow have still not spoiled myself on it. This is a video game that is considered one of the greatest video games of the past decade or maybe of all times because of its story. And there is some twist in the plot that you definitely don't want to spoil before you watch the show. I'm pretty sure they'll keep that twist intact in the, the series itself, despite the fact that this is famous for its storyline. I have avoided all spoilers, was just figured eventually someday I'll get around to playing this game. But now they're making it into a show, so I'll just watch the show instead. But uh, that's where the, the the genesis of it is. But also there's a lot of talent behind the screen. Not uh, only do you have this uh, cast, which is a very talented cast, uh, writer, director of this uh, is coming off of Chernobyl, the Chernobyl series on HBO, which is a huge success, Emmy winning, and just one of the best TV series of all time. So they have a lot to live up to here. You know, a great source material and uh, obviously very talented uh, across the board. So I'm very much looking forward to this. It was originally scheduled for end of 22. Now they have spring 23. So I guess they had to push it out a few more months. But that is something that everyone I think is looking forward to as well. And we'll be covering it here on the show whenever that day is, February, March, whenever that happens to happen. <laughs> but it was quite some time still between then and now. The crown was yours until those fools at the great council plucked it from your head. Is it such a terrible thing for your husband to wish to win it back? Tonight of all nights, let us lay aside this falsehood. It's not justice for your wife that drives you, it is your own ambition. It is desire for the throne, if not for yourself, then for the scions of your house. I gave up the idea of wearing a crown a generation ago. It is you, Lord Husband, who refuses to abandon this pursuit, even now at the cost of our children. What is this brief mortal life, if not the pursuit of legacy? Legacy may be why you live your life, Corliss. All right, so finally, let's get into this episode of the show, Driftmark, once again directed by Miguel Sapochnik, one of the most important directors for the original Game of Thrones, and now a showrunner and producer for this current uh, show and by the way he's left the show now so he's officially not coming back for season two not sure if it was a contract negotiation or if he was just afraid of getting trapped for 10 years in another tv show <laughs> but either way he's not coming back next year but uh, he will be missed he's been very important to this show and this is an incredibly well-made uh, episode of television picking up uh, almost immediately from the events from last week's episode no time jump here we actually see the funeral at drift mark for lena we see that Otto is the hand. I love this scene, by the way, that, you know, not only do we see Otto there, but the camera like pans down. He's like, oh, he's got his hand pinned on. It's like, yes, let's not leave any uh, ambiguity about his role here. How pretty was that entire episode? Again, I keep talking about how pretty this show is. The natural light 
that they have throughout the scene is amazing because last week or was it last week she gave birth and there was this one scene that went all the way to the queen's door and we talked about that and in this case it's not exactly continuous but it's all almost in real time you can actually see it getting darker all the way to the end of the episode when you could only see their silhouettes on the ocean yeah this whole entire episode takes place in you know basically we uh assume because we actually see the sunset that we're opening during the funeral right around sunset uh interestingly by the way i'm sure you didn't know this but i didn't know this until i looked at that little featurette behind the scenes this episode is the first episode they shot so it's pretty amazing that like the first scene they shot the very first week was the walk with matt smith and the uh, actress uh who's playing ranera literally the first scene they shot you know th- that that uh, conversation leads to them having sex so it's a uh a, quite a chemistry test for the two of them you know right out of the gate they did really well i know that she's his niece and everything but it was very romantic <laughs> it was <laughs> it sounds so pervy but i have conflicted emotions because you know if someone ever did that now you'd be in prison for a long long time but this somehow works for them <laughs> yeah and that was so, emma darcy was the actress i was trying to remember you know creepy sexy <laughs> i don't even know how to, is there creepy sexy when it comes to this it still is oddly romantic and they end up married and now they're gonna team up or be in competition with one another well that's uh, yeah, let's walk through the plot but that's uh, absolutely the question that probably remains here uh, obviously they've teamed up uh, in one way here by the end of the episode so interestingly here, you know, the gang's all here, as I mentioned before, even the dragons, dragons are here too. Everybody's around very importantly. And we'll get around to this again. Lena's dragon is here. <laughs> One of the funniest things here was when the, the priest or whoever was doing the ceremony here for the funeral starts to talk about how Valerian blood cannot be thinned out and like kind of looks over at the bastard children, <laughs> supposedly of, <laughs> of Lena. And Damon just openly laughs, just laughs during the the funeral. (laughs) Uh, And of course, just driving home with the point once again, that everybody knows what's going on. And they say that everybody knows what's going on. There is a scene where it is stated that everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. And this is like a big theme of this whole opening sequence, which you see all these kind of uncomfortable interactions, which I thought was just amazingly well done. You kind of get a feel for all the dynamics here. Once again, very interesting that this was something they shot first. So they were kind of laying, they were starting in the middle, basically, and laying out all this contentiousness at this one specific scene. And it's all playing out, you know, since everyone has to be forced into the same area together. Renera is saying, boys are saying that, you know, don't they get to also mourn the loss of the Strongs? Of course, because they know, even they know that that's their dad. Your little cousins have lost their mother use a kind word. I have an equal claim to sympathy. Chase. She's a bit harrowing mourning Lord Lionel and Sahara. It would not be appropriate. The Valarians are our kids and the Strongs are not. Let's go now. Do you understand? This is like the situation everybody's living under, like trying to pretend that this lie is true. And of course, that's what leads to all this rupture in this entire episode. This episode just came to a head in a way that was like a slow build. Yep. 
very well constructed. And the first half, by the way, doesn't really kind of seem to indicate that's the direction it's heading in. No, not at all. It was just them talking, which I thought was good, actually. And then this happened. Okay, we have to circle back to this because we see here, importantly, that I mentioned last week that Allison has this kind of strained relationship with her daughter. Not only does she maybe remind her of Rhaenyra, but she's also kind of an oddball. She's kind of talking to herself and... But very importantly here, very importantly, Viserys always wanted to be a dreamer and have visions, but it looks like his daughter may actually have this gift because she says here, when her brothers are kind of looking at her pitifully, <laughs> crazy Helena, she says, hand turns loom, spool of green, spool of black, dragons of flesh weaving, dragons of thread. So we don't know yet know what that means, although we know that the color green is the color of the high towers and the black color is the color of the Valerians. So probably a war between the high towers and the princess and the queen, basically, which is not too much of a surprise. But the reason I'm pretty sure this is a vision is because remember just last week when her brother walks in and says that she, he wanted a dragon and the mom goes, maybe someday you'll have a dragon to which she responds, but you'll have to close one eye first. We know what that means now. <laughs> this is crazy that you just pointed this out. I wasn't even paying that much attention to her. Yeah, so I'm she... so much more fascinated now. <laughs> yeah, so they're laying the groundwork for this. I'm going to is... pay so much attention <laughs> to this girl. Whenever I see her, I'm going to be like, wait, she's like a prophet. Yeah, exactly. So it's very important that when she's mur murmuring to herself, like turn on the subtitles, because what she's saying is prophecy, just as a reminder. This is great. Oh, but importantly, in that scene as well, you know, you kind of see the older brother who turns out to be a womanizer to try to chase after that wine pouring girl for the wine, but also for her long legs, apparently, that <laughs> they're saying that, you know, uh, he may have to marry his sister. Once again, these, the the the, uh, court, <laughs> the courtship here of these families are pretty bananas. And they're saying, you know, they're going to might have to do that to strengthen the bloodline, which makes, by the way, in comparison, makes the uncle and uh, Ranera combination nowhere near as bad. It's just the whole thought of it's creepy, but it worked out. And Eamon here at this point, still being kind of this kind of awkward and a little bit shy, looking, you know, kind of uh, askance at his older brother's womanizing, but also saying that, you know, I would marry her if I needed to. Now, you texted me about this, whether Kristen is having potentially a sexual relationship with Alicent or not. There's a few things here that I think might indicate that they're, they might be. And the first one, I think, is this scene where you see... He's a little possessive of Alicent, and he's saying, like, why is Laris staring at you? And now we have to assume that Laris has been in her ear for years now at this point, because we'd have that big time jump. So there is some possessiveness there. And we know that Kristen can be a little possessive, <laughs> to say the a least. A little, just a little. <laughs> and she blows it off and she says, oh, no, that's just pride. You see, he's just proud because he's like now the new lord of Harrenhal. The curse of Harren Hall. It's like, I don't think there's a curse that was involved with that burning, by the way. Would he, though, get involved with her after the whole regret at getting involved with Renera because he has taken a vow and he doesn't have an identity? Would he just go and have an affair with the queen? This is probably all defined in the original text, which I have not read, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he has lost that. Uh, honor. He was about to kill himself. He was really at the end of his rope. He gets rescued by Alicent. And two parts to that. A, does Alicent look at him and say, well, Renera got what she wanted. Why can't I get what I want? So it could be, you know, in, in a way, a subversive revenge, but nonetheless, a revenge against 
Rhaenyra and also just against her tried so hard to be the good girl all the time. And this could be kind of her turn to the dark side in a way. So it would be symbolic of that. And to, on his side, you know, he's already broken that seal. So he might just be like, well, I guess this is my life now, right? Like I have to be, uh, you know, attached to one of these women. Allison's the one who rescued him, right? And so, and they could play it either way if they wanted to going forward because it's subtle enough, but there are definitely indications that there might be something going on between them. I thought they would look great together. <laughs> they would look good, good together, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they would look so good together. I find it hard to believe that he would, being so disgraced and so disgusted with himself last time, he might have just thought she saved him and now he has a second chance. I mean, it remains to be seen. I mean, he doesn't seem to be a very honorable person anymore, to be honest. So, No, he's not honorable anymore. He's right. a complete jerk, but... <laughs> right. One of uh, Rhaenyra's uh, sons heads over to kind of give comfort to the daughters who've just lost their mom, of course. But they seem to like grab his hand too and give him a little comfort. Once again, I think everybody knows exactly what's up. <laughs> so I think they both are understanding that they're both in mourning. So there's kind of a nice scene between the two of them. That was nice. Also, interestingly, around the same time, the other one, the younger brother is being talked to by his grandfather saying, your brother will ascend to the throne and you will become Lord of the Seas to which he says, I don't want any part of it. And he's like, what do you mean? And uh, he, of course, says, you know, he's still stinging from all these deaths around him. He goes, if that's where I am at, he basically means that that means that everybody else is dead. And it's like, this is true. You know, these kids <laughs> just are tired of dealing with this death, especially when it's compounding one on top of the other. They're the creepiest kids, though. I don't know. I feel a little more sympathetic for them this week. Maybe not for uh Amon, who I think is headed in a, in a dark direction, but he does have a really triumphant, I got to say that, you know, we'll get around to it, but the sequence he has where he breaks the dragon is, is really incredible. And uh, I did really kind of feel like what a triumph for him. And then he kind of goes and ruins it all just the one scene later. <laughs> and I love how all of these dynamics are playing out here. One of the more interesting ones I like, it's so subtle too, is where Reyna is going to grab a drink or whatever. And Renera's right there. And she just kind of they make eye contact and she basically just completely blows her off. And I'm like, that's very interesting that at this moment, Renera's bastard kids are creating all <laughs> of this tension among all these distant families and no one is allowed to talk about it. Right. And especially not, Re uh, you know, Reina can't really talk about it because, you know, obviously this is the agreement they have. And what is she going to do? She can't blow this up, this deal up either. It's like the whole thing is just like, they're all trapped by the circumstance over and over again. It's funny though, because again, I'm thinking if I were these people, I would become resigned to the idea that this is what was going to happen. And I would have in the back of my head a plan B if, the, if I could implement plan B, if something were to occur. But I wouldn't spend my entire existence like really at war with everything and everyone. Maybe that's why Damon was so okay with leaving the premises and just going out and being a cowboy. For a while. Well, that's what he said last time, last episode, right? He specifically says that, you know, what's so bad about me, us being living like this, where they have their freedom. And I will get circle back to that very idea by the end of this episode, by the way. And uh, he's like, who cares about these ascendancies and who's going to be the th throne and whatever else. And then it was his wife, Elena, who, you know, right before she died, she says, I want my daughters to live there. I mean, that's our birthright. That's the way. And to your point, there may be some horrible, bloody war that kills their children for that ascendancy to occur. And uh, Damon might just look through all of it and say, like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of any of that? You know, he might be smart to have kept himself out of it. But now he's very deep in it <laughs> right now. So 
he's very deep in it and she will probably have kids with him also which is going to then screw up those bastard sons of hers because they are going to probably be in line for the ascendancy which of course then breaks the deal you know with reina because they're bastard sons if damon has a legitimate son with her right he is not going to be okay with bastard sons becoming the king yeah let's get to that by the end because there's this you know reshuffling of the deck here is so complicated from the point of view of these allegiances that obviously this is what's going to play out for the rest of the season but it's so fundamental just a few changes here in this particular episode make all of that much more complicated so i I do want to get back to that Another interesting point here, we see that Elaner is taking the death of his sister very, very badly. She's just, he's already in the, like he's half submerged in the water, you know, crying over her. Probably very drunk at this point as well. And Corliss grabs, Corliss grabs uh, Carl and tells him, you know, retrieve your patron, which once again makes a big scene there because everybody kind of knows what's up between him and Carl. This is a very awkward situation, devastated by the loss of his sister, his twin sister. You know, so of course, there's always that extra bond between a twin. I love that they did the scene first, though, because everybody is genuinely awkward, probably. They're not just acting awkward. It's easy for them to be awkward. It's very theatrical, but I still think that's kind of some of the best uh, Game of Thrones episodes have used that traditional theatricality to show exactly that. Every interaction, uh, like there's, I have so many notes just for this five or ten minute sequence on this patio, there's a layer to every interaction that's happening. Everything that, everything that someone says to somebody else, every reaction somebody has is like layers upon layers of, of meaning to everything that's going on here. It's like very, very dense. Your girls have a very image of their mother, a comfort and an anguish, as I well remember. The gods can be cruel. It seems they've been especially cruel to you. Yes. You should return with us to King's Landing. It's time that you came home. Pentos is my home. And that of my children. Damon. I know we've had our differences. But let them pass with the years. There's a place for you in my court. That's something you should need. I need nothing. Oh, interesting scene here, I thought also is at this point, it starts getting darker. Like you mentioned, you start seeing that the dragons are out in the mist and the sky is getting darker. And we see uh, Aegon has gotten wasted. Did not score with that girl, but he did get very drunk. (laughs) <laughs> to which Otto just like basically kicks him awake, <laughs> like drags him by the scrap of his scruff of his neck up the stairs and like drags him inside. He's like disgusted by how drunken he's become. The king also heads inside. This is another scene where I think that there seems to be something intimated between Sir Kristen and the queen, where the king says, I'm going to go to bed. It's a very early nighttime for him. The sun sets. He's going to bed within minutes of sunset. And <laughs> he's, he's falling like, apart. He is. He needs as much sleep as he can. I totally agree. I'm, I'm amazed that he's still alive, by the way. He, he has to preserve himself. Right. So he goes to bed. But a lot of people decide to go to bed at the same time. Interesting. I'm like, it's like that's about my bedtime nowadays, too. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at the, the, the queen and then 
the other knight, I forget his name, but he basically says, oh, is the queen retiring as well? And he looks at her and he goes, no, it's fine. Uh, so they say, oh, so Sir Kristen, so you can have the night watch because the, the assumption is that if the queen's up and about, that Sir Kristen will be as well. So all of this is interesting to me. Also, the fact that Sir Kristen on night watch is not around when all the craziness happens at the end of the episode. So where exactly was he during this period of time? Anyway, that still remains to be fleshed out, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that he has something going on with the queen. The next thing we see is uh, Corliss and Reyna are in front of that fireplace. Very important. We're going to be back in this room again before the end of the episode. But this is a very interesting moment because we see the mom being completely open and saying, look, we know what's going on. I want Driftmark to pass through Lena's line to Baylor. To true Valarian blood. Declare it now, all all are gathered here, and we will say that is how we will honor Lena's memory. And disinherit our son. He will be the king consort. His son will one day sit the Iron Throne. He would have me cast an even darker shadow over those little boys than already exists. We are alone here, husband. You can speak the plain truth as we both know it. Rhaenyra's children are not of your blood. But Lena's are. They are her legacy. History does not remember blood. names he's a feminist right you should this should have been yours honey i'm fighting for you and she's like <laughs> okay well fine let's hand this over to the granddaughters they are your blood right it's obvious we know exactly where those kids came from they're definitely valerians and he goes well in the history books people don't remember blood they remember names so you yep. know what <laughs> <laughs> when push comes to shove, eh, you know what? I want my name on there on the history book. Not my, yeah, 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 you're right. They look like me. They're definitely my blood. But, you know, names, names do matter in the history books. So a little funny there that he's arguing, I'm doing this for you, honey. She's like, all right, well, give it to your granddaughters. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> so very, you know, when push comes to shove, things never change, basically. Then we get to that scene on the beach. So this beach scene is really, really great. First of all, like you mentioned, you like the look of this. This is what they call day for night, which means they shoot it during the day. They just like, basically, this is how you used to shoot movies in the old days, ancient times, like black and white movies and, and early uh, Hollywood, where you didn't have film that was fast enough to shoot at night. So what you did instead was you shot during the day and you just basically downgraded everything to, you know, shot it at a low uh, aperture to make it look darker. And they call it day for night. And uh, it gives it this very kind of um, poetic look, like you mentioned, a uh, very romantic look to the whole thing. Damon and Renero walking on the beach. And I like how you see them uh, walking like very methodically in medium shot. But then you also see them oftentimes like at a distance, like they're just like two little insignificant beings on this beach, which I think was really beautiful. And uh, it also shows that they have some privacy here as, as well. So they actually speak openly. She, you know, some of the questions we had last week, it turns out that her and Laner did try to have children, but you know it was passionless. She unfortunately never got pregnant in those experiences they had together, so she found her fun somewhere else, <laughs> and uh, you know that did fruit bear fruit. So now she has these bastard children. Of course, you know she kind of has this uh, honest uh, conversation with Damon, and Damon explains that he was happy enough. He did have some feelings for his ex-wife, but she basically says, "I want you, and I'm not a kid anymore." And, you know, she is definitely in full control here. This is, there's questions as to 
how predatory what he did to her uh, was. And also when you think about that, he probably was trying to get her in trouble intentionally, that first encounter they almost had. In this situation, she's definitely not, you know, she's not a predator either. I mean, this is totally consensual. They finally have consummated this relationship. Well, she's a politician also. Yeah. So this all really does make sense because last week when we were talking about, and who does she have as her right. advisor, even though the queen has these two psychos, she has like no one. It's like she's alone. If she had Damon as her husband, she would have power. Yeah, I mean, it strengthens their their claim to, to the throne, for sure. And it also offers her protection because her dad's about to die, and he was the only one holding back the zoo in that situation. Oh, she yeah. She needs I mean, someone. Yes, and, and we'll circle back to that at the end, too. The politics, all of this, I totally agree, because some of the things that happen by the end of this episode are like straight-up sociopathic. But you think about it, like these people are... As bad as you might say, some of the things that Allison does, as bad as some of the things that Raina does here, this is existential for them, right? Their lives are literally at risk. When the king dies, it's not just that they may not get to be king. You know, oh, I really wanted my son to be king. It's not that simple. These people's lives are on the line. So they are fighting for their lives in their own way. And the king's not going to last much longer, <laughs> as we can tell. Nope. And but who knows? No... Maybe he'll be there probably season two. You know, he'll just be like, you know, just his head and a torso and <laughs> no arms and legs. You know, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be so gross. <laughs> It'd be like Monty Python at that point. He's like, I can't, I can't die. As soon as I die, all hell's gonna break loose. Gotta stay I'm alive. Still the, this head, which is all I have left, still carries the crown. <laughs> they won't be able to put a crown on him. Ears will fall off. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, he is the only thing holding, I guess, peace among all these people. Oh, yeah. Really, I mean, all they are doing is waiting for him to die. Oh, they are all conniving in the mo for the moment that he dies. And then we'll talk about the scenes next week, but maybe they won't even wait till he's dead. <laughs> we'll have to wait for that. <laughs> They're like, we can take this even one more day. Yeah, he's hanging in there. He's a very interesting character because at yeah. first we were like, he's weak. Like, what's his purpose? He's just the king who keeps peace. And he really is the king who keeps right. peace. He's the only reason there is peace in right. his world. Right. That's what I was trying to say when we first discussed it, when you just said that he kept saying that he was weak in, in obvious ways, like he doesn't want to go to war. He doesn't want this. That makes him weak. But to your point, this is what I always kind of suspected. He is the only glue that's keeping this thing together. So like he, he literally is keeping himself alive by sheer force of will to, to keep this thing together as long as he can. Although he at some point has to acknowledge this reality because it literally nearly leads to a war in that room. But all those factions in that room are all ready to go to war the second he's dead. Right. So it's it's just a matter of time. You know, he's trying to keep it together. Give him credit for that but he's not planning for what happens after he dies. He's just saying that she will be queen. And like, yeah, that will be the case for like a day and then the country will go to war. And that's not what he wants, I'm sure. Not not the uh, intention. So she has to be as strong as possible. And Damon is the only real option. And he's dogged. So if he commits to this and also affords him so much power, he's always wanted to be king. And now he can be king. Right. ish because <laughs> right. you know but still like those two are a power couple it's definitely a strategic move to hook up with damon 
and uh, obviously that you know to marry him by the end of this episode because she has limited allyship. It's funny because she's just like he says yes, and that's it. She yeah. just closed the deal. That's it. Right. We're not going to be planning this for like months and months. Like it's done. Well, I think that that the excel part of the acceleration is over the course of what happens in this episode because you do see in that little featurette that comes at the end of the episode. Uh, Matt Smith, who plays Damon, talks about how he describes that Damon is a leaner. He just leans one way or he leans the other, and he just kind of likes to lay back and watch. And there is the moment in the finale, when we'll get around to it, where he you know, basically picks a side, and that is kind of like the, the tipping point. I think he probably wasn't 100% committed, although he seems to have softened. I think there is a little more humanity to him now, at least, I think. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but maybe the relationship with Lena softened him in some ways because i think that he may care <laughs> he may actually care now possibly we'll have to wait and see if he if this is all you know going to turn bad but i mean for, at this moment i think that he probably does pick a side and i think there is some emotion to it as well not just him being pragmatic i think he's always loved her yeah but i think he'd also like at some point i think he would have um disposed of her if he needed to and i think well now... he admired her though and yeah. she's turned into someone that's formidable. So meanwhile, Amond has been kind of shunned by everybody. He didn't really want to hang out with his bigger brother. He didn't really, his sister's kind of, you know, having visions on her own. Uh, really didn't, uh, she try, tried to do a little outreach to the bastard kids and to the uh, orphaned uh, daughters. And they all kind of give him the cold shoulder. But he does notice the dragon, Lena's dragon, who she had. Also, she did not get an egg when she was young. She actually tells her daughter that. You may have to claim a dragon like I did. I claimed the dragon. Damon claimed the dragon too. So this is a very ancient dragon, the biggest dragon in all of the land. And her name is Vagar. And he decides, hey, I like a big dragon. <laughs> Why not go for the <laughs> biggest one around, right? And he goes, and this is an incredible sequence, by the way. I feel like even with Game of Thrones, maybe because of the budget or maybe because the dragons only showed up later on, that I never really had a sense of like the danger of riding on a dragon and the exhilaration of it. And I love like the movie How to Train Your Dragon, for example, especially if I, I saw it in 3D with uh, your kids, with uh, my nephews, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember just like how exhilarating it is to be riding on the back of a dragon. I would have loved to have seen this like on IMAX or something because he tracks down the dragon. He wins the dragon over. The dragon is like, well, let me put you through the paces a little bit. <laughs> Basically tries to kill him multiple times. <laughs> but he Did does survive. Did you see when it dipped its like wings, I guess, into the ocean and the water? Oh, it's birds, that actually. The birds oh. shot up. Yeah, the birds shot up. No, but also head. when it was like swatting the water, when it oh, was yeah. like almost in the water and then flying back out. What an amazing, beautiful, this entire scene. Yeah, this whole sequence, I really felt, yeah, I felt, I, I totally agree. I felt like for the first time on this show, you know, we got a, f a feel for the thrill of riding on the back of a dragon. Unfortunately, still on this show across the board, every time we see somebody on the back of the dragons, it looks terrible. <laughs> but the dragon, just the dragon flying through the air and, you know, the figure on the back was just incredible, right? Just beautiful. The, the whole sequence was incredible. And then, of course, Eamon, who's been pretty shy and kind of a little withdrawn most of the time he comes back like very cocky he goes in there saying that's right i took your mom's dragon suck it up <laughs> <Yeah>. girls <laughs> he's very cocky total jerk and uh, they all start and he starts shoving them around they start beating him up and he does almost strangle one of the kids uh, he's pretty tough i mean there was like four people trying to 
beat him. Yeah, they're all they're all smaller than him, but yes, they they, they were. Uh, yeah, he definitely held his own there. One of Renera's sons goes and slices him with the sword and takes out his eye. Yes, and that this sequence was. I was crazy. like, wow, what a reversal! He literally was just like, oh, it was like he's just like, oh, how to train your dragon? I have this heroic moment for him. It goes very badly just minutes later. Like, I felt bad for him. And he's mm-hmm. really stoic about this. Doesn't really care. Because if he had to give up his eyeball to have a dragon, and that's more than fair for him. What was very disturbing is when I thought they were going to attempt to pop <laughs> an eye. eye out of one yeah. of Renera's kids. Yep. That eye for an eye scenario. <laughs> yep. Because that's what she demanded. Exactly. A consolation prize. I don't know what she just wanted to make things even. They're all considering this. The whole room is like, maybe that as long as, you know, they could get, you know, if they're okay with it, we could just pop one of the kids eyeballs out. I did find it interesting. Everybody's kind of laid back while they're working this out. Let the hysterical women go at each other. And uh, Allison's the only one at this moment that is like really uh, going off the rails here. Understandably, though, for her son being slashed across the face. And this whole sequence continues to play it really well. So you get all the main players in this uh, the throne room once again. And uh, Allison, like you said, wants an eye for an eye. She says, uh, uh, Sir Kristen, <laughs> go take out. Yeah. An eye. It's up to you. Go take out any eye you want. And this is when you see Damon actually goes in and blocks him. And this sequence just escalates. And this is so interesting. There's so many things that happen here that are very interesting. Once again, layers to what's happening. You have Viserys, who is still taking Rhaenyra's side, still taking Rhaenyra's side. And then he starts saying, Why did you do this? And then saying that, Well, they threatened me. And then Renera is the one who interjects, well, he called them bastards, right? Of course, Viserys is so offended by this. And he turns to Aemond and goes, who told you this? And he, Aemond here, a real asshole, by the way, right? Aemond is a real asshole move. His mom is really the one who's most vociferously defending him. And she, he looks her dead in the eye and says, hmm. With his one eye. With the one eye. He's like saying, hmm, should I tell dad? (laughs) <laughs> and he, she's literally afraid of him at that moment. It's pretty nuts that the, the, the interaction between the two of them where she's doting on him. And then he goes over by the end of the scene sequence, by the way, and lays his head on her shoulder like, oh, mom, I'm OK. But that moment where he just looks her in the face and goes, hmm, how do I want to play this? But instead, what does he do? He calls out his dumb big brother, <laughs> which well, I think is great. Bullies <laughs> him all the time. You know, oh, my God. This is- he- he could get a dig in. Man, I love his reaction where he goes, me? <laughs> He's me? just like, everyone knows what, what is, <laughs> yes. you know, why are we all like. It's actually so such a genius move on his part to call out his brother because his brother of all people, his reaction, first of all, is just stunned. Like, he's like, maybe I did say it. He doesn't even. Re- it's like, I don't remember. Maybe he maybe. doesn't know. <laughs> and then on top of that, his grandfather goes, who did you hear this from? And of course. This guileless guy, he's not a politician at all. He goes, uh, I can see it with my eyes, Grip. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> yeah. knows. It's like so, and like his answer is so non-political that, you know, he can't, you can't blame him for it, which kind of just puts the whole thing out there. And then, of course, it escalates again. And that is where, uh, in a way, Renera wins here because Allison goes at her. It's interesting that still no one intervenes. They like let this thing play out. They figure, oh, the ladies are fighting. We'll just let this play out for a little bit, even though there's a knife out. And Renera basically goads Allison. You've gone too far. I. What have I done? But what was expected of me? 
forever upholding the kingdom, the family, the law. Will you flout it all to do as you please? Alicent, let her go! Where is duty? Where is sacrifice? It's trampled under your pretty foot again. Release the blade, Alicent. And now you take my son's fight. And to even that you feel entitled. Exhausting, wasn't it? Hiding beneath the cloak of your own righteousness. But now they see you as you are. And Alicent, of course, is someone who is conniving and manipulative or has at least become that maybe when she's in survival mode but i think deep down inside does still does not want to acknowledge that part of herself she lashes out and renera lets her slash her so that she ends up becoming like the victim in this situation but yeah so the, for the moment renera seems to win the day but there's a lot more to come still it was so thrilling <laughs> they was. almost got into a cat fight i thought allison <laughs> yeah. was gonna like jump her yeah, and I love the overhead panel of when they're fighting. You yes. can see like the taps of both of their heads and mm -hmm. the knife, like oh, right. the knife with the fire behind it. Yeah, it's really, yes, really well it's done. a really good scene. Yeah, the whole really thing well. is a really good scene. Yes, Apochnik uh, directing, doing great, great job. So yeah, so then we see Alicent back in her chamber. She's kind of back into her traditional mode, going, "Oh my god, I can't believe I let that happen. I everyone's just going to be calling me an insane person." But Otto comes inside. <laughs> And Otto looks at his daughter and says, I like what I just saw. You. Yeah. I've been waiting to see this. I <laughs> didn't know you I had think, this in you. I knew. And he's like, I think now you and I together will prevail. And she takes this news, not like you would think, like going like, yes, dad's on my side. You know, like she, she for the longest time has been like kind of wanting to play things differently than her dad. And her dad's like, that's what I'm talking about. And she's like, great. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> and of course we see then Renera is being stitched up. <laughs> Laner shows up still hung over. Like what happened? <laughs> Thanks, a lot. So Thanks a lot. So useless. He can't have kids with her. He can't pretend he can't like, you know, give up his vices. He can't stop drinking. I mean, he's he's just like a big man child. Yeah, this is uh, actually a sweet scene between them when you know he kind of says that you know it, it's he's apologizes for being the way he is that she he she deserves better. He recommits to being truly her her king, her prince, I should say, and uh, also apologizes for what he's done in the past, but he goes, now I'm ready to be a real father. I'm ready to be a real husband. And he like totally recommits, which of course is very funny because Renera is kind of, you see her face drop because she's like, well, <laughs> I kind of had a different plan for, for what's going to happen. Next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate the offer. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You know, thanks. I really do think you're a really nice guy, but I have different plans. That's exactly what she was basically telling him. She's still really nice, considering what. Well, I mean, if I so was fun, her, someone has to pay the price here by the end of this episode. Yeah, I'd be like, I guess I have to kill him, and yes. I have killed many other people, so I'd be desensitized at this point. And she didn't do that. Yep. She uh, took a different route. I hope it works out for her. Who are you rooting for? Speaking of which, it's like, I'm like, I hope it works out for her. And I'm like, am I rooting for her? Am I rooting 
who am I rooting for? Yeah, that's the weird thing about it is by the end of this episode, I really don't know who I'm rooting for anymore. I do like the fact that, you know, she does now finally make that overt pitch to Mary Damon. She has that line where she says that fire is a prison. Fire is such strange power. Everything that House Targaryen possesses is owed to it. Yet it has cost us both what we loved. Perhaps the Valarians knew the truth of it, but she is the better ally. Fire is a prison. The sea offers an escape. She wants the, the burn together. That might be literal by the end of this show, by the way. And uh, speaking of burning together, did you notice when she and Damon are having their love scene that his like he's all burned? Like, I guess, you know, you, you hang around with dragons too long. You eventually have burns all over your bodies. I didn't see all the burns, but I... Like his shoulder she was, is all burned. Yeah, that I've seen. Uh, she says, fire is a prison while the sea offers escape. And at that moment, we still don't know exactly what that means. Uh, but she is offering uh, C as an escape to to Laner. I'm sorry. Uh, we do see once again La- uh, Laris with with Alicent, and he goes, uh, "Hey, do you want me to go pop out an eye? I can do that for you." And she goes, "No, no, no, quite all right. But hey, someday I will want you to do that." So she still has Laris in his back in her back pocket pocket. Uh, and then, of course, we have this whole thing at the end. What did you think of this? By the way, just so you know that in the books, once again, the books are written as if it is like a historical chronicle. In the books, it is said that uh, Laner is murdered and, you know, that allows Rhaenyra to marry Damon. Uh, and the assumption, you know, the rumor mill that, or that they were the murderers of Laner to allow the wedding. Uh, so it's interesting the way they've revised it here so that maybe the rumor would still be the same. Obviously, that's their intention to make it believed that Laner is dead. Uh, you know, but they have changed it a little bit versus the what's written in the book. Once again, the book being supposedly historical. But actually, it turns out, you know, it, we, it looks like we're seeing Damon make an offer to Carl to kill Laner. But what he's actually offering is, hey, you guys can be free. We'll give you some gold and you guys can disappear. And of course, Damon goes and kills a body double. That guy, everybody else kind of makes out in this situation, (laughs) except for that poor guy who slightly looks like Laner. So the book says she killed him. That is the most logical thing to do. So I'm wondering, are they going to write him back in later? Or was this some sort of like, see, she's not all that bad. I wonder about that myself. <clears throat> it is possible they could bring Laner in later to play some other role. There could be someone else in the history book that matters. You know, maybe someone else, a uh, you know, pirate or a sailor that shows up later. And in the book, it's just some other random person. But they could say that was actually Laner because he lives, right? So they can still bring that actor back later on if they wanted to. The other reason I think possibly is simply to make her somewhat sympathetic because if she's just like killing people to get what she wants if her and Alicent are end up being just as vicious, then like you said before, like, are we rooting for anybody <laughs> by the end of this show? Like what, <laughs> what's the point, right? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, I wonder why she let him go. Is it so that we're sympathetic to her character? Right. I thought that. And it is apparently because in the book he gets killed. I feel like I'm supposed to root for her. Well, the thing about the book, just to be clear, once again, the book is written as if you were reading a history book. So in the same way, when you read about a war, like the American Revolutionary War or something, you know, everybody just gets a paragraph written about them. So this is Laner's demise and then her marriage. And in the book, it simply says Laner died. He was murdered, they believe, by Renera and Damon so that they could get married. 
that's the extent of the historical document. So my point is that even if this is the reality, the historical document would still have to say the other thing because they literally say this. Damon literally says that it is better to be feared than to be loved and that we want people to think we did this <laughs> so that people will fear us and be like, what will they do next? <laughs> that is literally their plan to be like, we are the crazy ones. <laughs> Don't mess with us. We'll kill anybody who gets in our way. Right? Yeah, I see that they want everyone to have that reaction to them. But when she didn't really kill him, I thought as an audience, they were like, see. Oh, yeah. For the audience, they're trying to make us nice. It's trying to make us um, sympathetic torture. I think exactly like I said before, it allows them to maintain these characters, Carl and Laner to bring them back in another year or something as different characters. They can have completely different identities pretending to be other people so they can reuse them if they want to. But honestly, I think they may very well write them off the show because if Laner had biological children with her, like even if one of those kids was his, then you can imagine him coming back because he wants to re, you know, he could potentially blackmail her in the future or something. I mean, at this point, it's like everyone thinks he's dead. He really has his freedom in a way that like she wishes she had this level of freedom, honestly. So it's like she, you know, is starting to see more and more so that being, you know, selected as the next ruler has trapped her in a way. Why would he come back? <laughs> why? Why? There's no reason for him to come back. His twin sister's dead. Like, wh why is he coming back? Unless like she ever needs his help and he maybe, is in a yeah. position I mean, becomes, to help her out. Yeah. yeah, I could imagine a scenario where once again, maybe in the book, you know, obviously they align themselves with the fleet. You could see some pirates out there that are like aligned with them in battle and he could have become a successful pirate on his own once he's out there, you know, at, at back at sea again. So that's possible. But I mean, I, I think that writers of the show would do that only for fun. They, I don't think they strategically need to. There's no really, really any character reason to bring him back. No, but I wouldn't be adverse to having no, him show up as a pirate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For like one episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He pulls the cloak back and it's laner. Yeah, like they could be in the battle and he is very good on boats, so he can help her. Where's his dragon, though? He's got a dragon. I don't is it dragon? No. Is gonna it going to meet him there? Yeah. Are people going to be like, hey, what? <laughs> that random pirate guy, he's got a dragon. Isn't that later's dragon? Hmm. <laughs> people might say Unless he left the dragon behind and someone else can claim the dragon. I don't know when they're like made it to each other if the dragon's just gonna be cool with just taking off. You know, I mean the dragons are not like you know idiots. They you know literally follow their leaders from you know around the world. So think about it. Uh, Lena's dragon flew all the way there for the funeral. Well, maybe the dragon is meeting him there and everyone just thinks the dragon's so heartbroken it just flew away. Right. It's not like they have iPhones and <laughs> right. Wi-Fi and the YouTube. If there's some dude that looks la like Laner on some distant land and someone does like a chalk painting of him which goes show his dad later on. By the way, this is the guy who's riding on Laner's dragon right now. And I was like, it looks a lot like Laner to me. <laughs> They're not going to know it's him. He shaved his head, no. you know? I'm curious to know what happened to his dragon. That's that's my big question there. Huh. I think this is all going to come back later in a spectacular episode during a wartime scene or something. Like, it's Laner on his dragon. It could be. He can come back in. Yeah, why not? He can always jump back on that dragon if he wants to. Because he's been such a letdown. He could do one good thing. He also had Damon's back when he took uh, when uh, they took out the crab feeder. That's right. This is so exciting. Every twist because these are twists yeah brings oh, yeah. you to a completely different like show almost when you get to the next episode 
Oh, yeah. So a couple of things I want to circle back to speaking of all that. One is, like you said, who do we root for here? And before we even talk about who we're rooting for, let's talk about the kids situation. Right. So think about what's happening with these kids. Like they're supposedly all supposed to like think about um, Viserys being like, you guys all need to learn to play together and be. Friends. Yeah. Think about how nuts this whole situation is. You have Rhaenyra supposedly is going to be queen and then her firstborn will be the king. And the second born will be the leader of the fleet, Prince of the Narrow Sea. So that supposedly is going to be the hierarchy, but they are bastard kids, right? So potentially you might see Raina saying, you know what, actually I want my granddaughters to have that. So there's going to be this rift between the queen and the king. And of course she was the queen that never was. She should have inherited the throne. She still has loyalists out there. Obviously the people who live in Driftmark are loyal to her. Obviously that's a big, and they control the fleet as well. So that's very complicated. So she might say, Hey, you know what? I want things to go this way. This is the family dynamic I see. And by the way, the reason I was tolerant of Renera and her claim on the throne was because of my son, who is now dead, right? So as far as they're concerned. So that's going to be very problematic. Not only that, within the family themselves, like you already said, Damon and Renera will probably have a child, whoever that child is. We need to ascend that child to get rid of all this talk about bastards and stuff, get that all off the plate. We need to have a Valerian child that will then take the throne, which of course, is going to create additional tension within the family themselves. These kids who supposedly were going to inherit and this, all this kid stuff. would be like a triple Valerian. <laughs> yeah. So this exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So that obviously, not obviously, but all those people who are like all about the Valerian blood and all the loyalists to that idea would definitely be like, whoa, that's the one we want, right? That's very problematic. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have Allison's the oldest uh, oldest son. He seems to be kind of a screw up. The youngest son seems the one that most taking all the initiative. Uh, and meanwhile, we have the daughter as well, who uh, may not be marriageable considering her situation, you know, with her visions all the time. Anyway, all of this means that there is so much complexity what's happening in the next generation. And it remains to be seen how that's all going to shake out. But all of that has changed significantly in just the past episode. So, yeah. I am very interested. In the coming attractions, we see a couple of things. One is that we see Viserys is still around, but it looks like Alicent is trying to take uh, Alicent and Otto. Otto basically says, when I speak, I speak as the king. So there you go. He is now basically taking control, even though Viserys might still have something to say about that. And that's curious to see how that all plays out. We also see that Aemond, now the guy who's playing Aemond with an eye patch, is taller and is a different actor. So maybe another time jump, hopefully not another 10 years, maybe maybe three or five years or something like that. Yeah, that... probably. Because if it is three years later, and how, how old is Eamon supposed to be when it, all this is happening? I don't know, probably like 12 or something. I mean, they jumped 10 years. There were no kids back then, right? So it was Aegon's second birthday, and then they jumped 10 years. So Eamon would, be, would have been 12, and now like maybe he's... 16? 15 or something yeah. and then maybe the younger one is nine or ten something like that maybe like that all right that's acceptable but they're going to jump forward so you probably see like the younger one now leaves looks to be like 15 or something and the older one looks to be like maybe 20. another really great thing about the series is that because of the time jumps they have to change complete characters sometimes yeah so in one episode it could be 90% of the characters are changed. For example, they kept the king the same. They kept all the older actors the same. But all of the young actresses are completely different. Right. And then you jump forward and it's the same cast, but all of the children are completely different. 
Isn't that interesting? It's also interesting how they assembled the show. I did not know until after the episode, that little um, documentary they put on there, that little featurette, this was the first episode they shot, which I find very interesting because you could imagine them writing and directing this middle episode of the show, very near the middle, and then basically saying, okay, now we're going to write episodes up to this point and then beyond this point, right? So it's kind of interesting that this is so central to your point. All the other performers had to kind of meet, had to reach this point at some point in their performance, right? And vice versa. Everybody who comes after this was like looking back at this episode to be like, that's who I was before I was this person, right? So it's kind of interesting as a reference point for all the other episodes they shot around it. I love this show. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I don't know. Some, some people, I mean, I don't know if people are still criticizing it, but I've heard initially a lot of negative reaction to the show, kind of saying, oh, they're just trying to, you know, fan service version of Game of Thrones or whatever. I really enjoy it. I think that <clears throat> some of the jumps through time make it a little har harder to sympathize with some of the characters, but it just makes me watch the show in a different way. Like I watch it for the intrigue and for putting myself sympathizing with these impossible circumstances people are in. So to that point of you can look at Renera's decisions, you can look at Allison's decisions and say, these people are psychopaths. You know, they're murdering other people for their own well-being. To that point, it's just like they are, like I mentioned earlier, fighting for their lives, right? This is like existential for them. <laughs> like their children could die. <laughs> they can die. Wars can be fought that will kill thousands, tens of thousands of people. So in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, one guy <laughs> thrown into the fireplace is not that big of a deal if it can prevent a war <laughs> in the long term. I'm psyched yeah. for not only all of the horror movies that are coming up this month, but for next week of this show. And we have just three more episodes, just three more. Oh, that makes me sad a little. Sometimes <laughs> I will not watch something. I wait like a, as long as I can. That way, when I'm done with it, I have less of a gap before the new season. But I can't do that if I'm going to talk to you. So right. I've been watching them. You got to suck it up. And I'm going to be so sad. And then I'll just rewatch the whole thing again right, right before this starts because that's my thing anyway. So yeah. and you can rewatch it with new eyes, right? Because you now know, know the lay of the land afterwards. Yes, yes. But it is very dense the way they think this through, the way they set everything up, the timelines, even the actors changing. Again, it reminds me of an amazing play. It, yeah. it does read like that. It's very intimate. I like it too. I'm a big fan. And I do like some of that staginess. I like, like some of that stagecraft. It's like you're watching people perform this <clears throat> very elaborate stage work with dragons and everything too. So it's very cinematic and all stagey at the same time, which I like. I like that, that duality. What will he say to me? He'll forgive you. What else can he do? Now go to him. Be penitent. Plead the injury to your son. Keep a grip on your passions. And I promise you in time, you and I together will prevail. What that rogue Aemond has done in winning Vagar to our side. The boy was right. It's worth a thousand times the price he paid. All right. Anything else you saw that you wanted to uh, recommend or talk about? Well, I saw this really bad movie. It's called, <laughs> it's so bad. I saw it yesterday. It's called I See You. And it was the opposite of what we 
love in movies. Like there's too many plot lines, um, too many twists, nothing really is related. They over explain stuff. So, uh, all right, don't, I do not watch I See You. It's from 2019. It's terrible. So. Oh, with Helen Hunt, I have seen this movie. Oh my God, yes, I've seen this movie. It's so bad. This movie, I watched this movie two years ago because it had some pretty decent reviews and uh, I found it the same thing. I was just like, it has all these twists. It's going, at one point, like just the way it's shot, they make things that aren't twists into twists where we see the, the, the father like sit up on the sofa and only the son sees him. So for the longest time, I'm like, oh, the father's not really alive, you know? And then it turns out to be something completely <laughs> it's different. It's so terrible. Oh my god! And, and then, then that every girl that was hiding in the house, in the house, yeah, which is very creepy, by the way. That concept is very scary. I but, know, but she's the witness, and then she's dead. Yes, and then like the real story behind all of it. Point of view. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. The real um, story was almost the worst part. It's so dumb, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, oh, it's him, right? Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's a that's a film that I guess has some modest reputation because of all its twists but i agree these twists are terrible twists you're like what uh it, it, but you know what as, yeah as opposed to you saying that it's terrible and not worth watching i do think it's worth watching because it's badness in a way first of all it's actually not badly made it is compelling to watch and every kind of new twist makes you curious as to what's happening the payoff is terrible at the end but I still find it interesting that you know just the stunt of it is kind of interesting, to be honest. So, you know. The first 30 minutes, Carlos is like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, this is interesting. He goes, what it's, what's it about? I don't know what's going on. And that's why I wanted to watch it, but no good. Yeah, if you like lots of twists, I would I would modestly recommend this to people who like lots a lot of twists. Of twists. <laughs> lots, lots of twists. Lots of twists. Way too many. Everything seems like a twist. You're like, I mean, at one point I'm like, is it space aliens? Like, I'm so off the mark on the twists on this film. <laughs> that's crazy. what that's what he thought. He's like, is it aliens? Yeah. Yeah. And then we real especially because the kid got shot up into the air mm -hmm. on his bike. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is he being abducted by aliens? <laughs> exactly. It's so bizarre. Such a bizarre movie. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, let you go and we will talk again later this week and uh, we'll see how many of those horror titles. I'm going to try to watch everything I <laughs> listed here, which is going to be impossible. So we'll see what I can legitimately put in there. I do want to recommend Smile, though, if you guys do decide to see that. It was it was good. A solid a thriller. I'll give a full review for that uh, when we get together at the end of the week. I'll watch it. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.